We're going to go to Galatians. If you guys have your Bibles, turn to Galatians 1. I'm actually going to read through the whole chapter for us. Um, that way we get kind of an idea of where we're at, uh, where you guys were last week when Nick was teaching. In verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed and be cast out. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Now, for am I now seeking the approval approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, And remained with him fifteen days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia. And I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Oh. That's our passage this morning. Um, We're actually going to be focusing on 10 through the end of the chapter, verse 10 through 24. Um, Let's pray, um, and then we will look into what the Lord has for us today. Father, thank you for making dry bones live. Thank you for your grace to us in sending your Son to pay the penalty deserved by our sin, then raising him to new life that we might also live. I ask that you be present with us by your Holy Spirit this morning. Reveal the person, character, and charge of Christ to us through the reading and proclamation of your word. Lord, I ask that you might 
Convict us, encourage us, and strengthen us to hear your call and to obey, forsaking all other opinions and gospels. We ask this in your name. Amen. So, um, I don't know about you guys, but when I got into middle school, um, I was struck at how quickly people changed. Have you guys noticed that? <laughs> yeah. It seems like there's some people who you used to see all the time, right? You used to hang out with, and all of a sudden they've just completely, either they're hanging out with new people and you guys just aren't hanging out anymore, um, or, they're, or they're into new things, you know, like, like I had a, a really good buddy who, you know, started wrestling or started playing basketball, and I was running track and cross country, so we just never saw each other, and we never had classes together, you know. So you just grow apart from certain people because of those things. Sometimes, um, you know, it might be that you guys end up meeting up after, like, you know, six months, a year, and all of a sudden you realize, wow, this was not the same person I was friends with a year ago. <laughs> Have you realized that before? I don't know. I've had that happen. Thank you, Todd. <laughs> Todd understands. Uh, Todd has probably seen it happen many times. Um, but you, you all of a sudden realize I have no source of connection with this person any longer, right? It could just be that, like I said, that your lives are just in two different places. I've experienced that. Um, but even still, you might find that, that that relationship is the same. Where you picked up, that shows that the relationship was genuine. Or maybe you meet up with a person and you realize, wow, um, they're either hanging around with the wrong crowd or they're doing things with their girlfriend or boyfriend that I know are not right. <laughs> um, or they're experimenting with drugs. Or they just begin to put on this persona of being too cool for school. And Paul has the same problem with the Galatians. Because these guys that, that came into the Galatian church, they were, they were starting to preach a very different message than what Paul had preached. They were saying, yeah, 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 believe in Jesus, but <laughs> you also got to do all this other stuff too. You got to be circumcised. You got to follow the food laws, right? Can't, can't eat pigs. You know, there's, there's more in addition to that, but they throw on all these Old Testament commandments too, right? Saying, no, 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 no. Believe in Jesus, yes, but that's not enough to save you. You gotta, you gotta make sure that you're, you're doing what, you know, all these other things. Even though Christ has completed all those, He's fulfilled all of those. So let me give a context. Where were the Galatians at? First of all, they were listening to the wrong people. So they were listening to these guys who were saying, "You gotta, you gotta follow all these food laws. You gotta um, be circumcised. You gotta do this. You gotta do that. All these things that Christians are no longer bound to when they believe in Jesus." And just like the Galatians, I think we too can easily begin to listen to the wrong people. Start to think like they do about things. Start to forget the things that we know are true. And even begin to forget the gospel originally preached to them. That's the next thing these Galatians were doing. They were forgetting this gospel that was originally preached to them. They're not only bombarded with this different gospel, but they're actually deserting the true gospel. And that's because, and it's because of that that we see this, this verse in, you know, verse 6. I am astonished that you're quickly deserting. In chapter 3, Paul says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? <laughs> you know, he's saying, who's put this, who's put this evil spell on you? Um, 
So if you start thinking right now, well, what the heck, Galatians? I, I you know, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Someone came in and started telling telling me these things. I know that obviously circumcision is not something I have to do in order to be saved. I know that I can eat pigs. Meat is good. Bacon, Bacon is delicious. <laughs> I don't have to follow all these kosher laws. Uh, sometimes I'll say thank God for the gospel because we get to eat bacon. <laughs> yes. Okay, anyway. But we know those things are true, right? But do we, do we ever think to ourselves, well, I'm not doing drugs, I'm not having sex, I'm not technically part of this illegal thing that my friends are doing right at the moment. Um, I still go to church with my parents. I, I even went on this mission retreat, or this mission trip or that retreat this past summer. I did this nice thing for someone else. So God must still love me, right? We, we, we like to justify our th- ourselves with that a lot, don't we? <laughs> I, I do. It's okay. Instead, we, we're not remembering that God does not love us because of what we do, what we did. God loves you because you're his precious creation for whom he has sent Jesus to die because he wants to reconcile you to himself. It's not just about avoiding these bad things and doing these good things. The gospel, or well, the Bible tells us those things are are like filthy rags. I was thinking this morning. There's there's very specific (laughs) analogies you can use for filthy rags. I decided that a baby's dirty diaper is probably the best thing to get in our minds. No one wants that. <laughs> no one wants a dirty diaper. Oh, gosh. That's something that I'm afraid of. <laughs> um, in the same way, God does not need your good works. He simply wants relationship with you. But we forget that. We start to think, well, yeah, I'm not doing drugs. I'm not having sex. I did this retreat. I did this mission trip. I'm good. I'm solid. Not, I believed in Jesus. I'm forgiven by what he's done. Maybe you have a different problem. Maybe people will begin to mock Christianity. You know, like, um, you're on the football field, you're at practice, you're in the classroom. Um, People will be like, gosh, Christians, you know, or gosh, you're so weird. Daryl, you're a Christian, right? Do you really believe that (laughs) stuff? I mean, didn't, didn't God just kill a bunch of people in the Bible? Doesn't God hate gay people? Doesn't God hate sex? Whatever. Aren't Christians just more of a problem than a solution? And you might say, yeah, I mean, I go to church, but, you know, it's just because my parents make me do it. <laughs> Something I can't get out of. <laughs> Instead, you don't stand up for what you believe. You don't say, yeah, yeah, I do believe this stuff. But I don't believe in Jesus because I need to feel good. I don't believe in Jesus because my parents tell me to. But because Jesus is real. Jesus has saved me from my sins. Jesus reached out to me and he made me a totally new person, right? He breathed life into these dead bones and he made them live. And actually, God doesn't hate gay people. That's something I think about, too. I wonder that sometimes myself. But based on what the Bible says about marriage, about homosexuality, it's sin in God's eyes. Not sin to struggle with those, those tendencies, but 
sin to embrace it, sin to act upon it. That's what the Bible is not about. Or any other issue that comes up. It doesn't have to just be homosexuality. It could be anything. That just seems to be a hot topic these days. These Galatians were also beginning to doubt Paul's authority as an apostle. It's possible that these Jews that came in, these Jewish Christians, Jewish Christians, were coming into them saying things like, well, yeah, Paul didn't tell you to do this, but, uh, but who's Paul anyway? He's probably making half this stuff up anyway, right? I mean, when he first became a Christian, he didn't even go to Jerusalem. He didn't talk to anybody. So he's probably preaching a gospel that's not true. He doesn't, he doesn't know everything. Or, for us, today it might look like this. The gospel is just something that our pastors believe at church. It's something that a few guys made up a really long time ago. And has nothing to say to us today. Or the Galatians were more concerned about people pleasing. About pleasing themselves than they were with pleasing God. As seen in verse 10, Paul asks them this rhetorical question. For am I now seeking the approval of a man or of God? And obviously we're going to say, God, Jesus. Right? <laughs> But like I mentioned earlier, they were quickly deserting what they knew it was true for the sake of appearing normal to their friends or for the sake of um, feeling like they were doing enough for God to love them still because Jesus obviously wasn't enough. Well, let me respond to these with what Paul tells the Galatians. Oh, I need that one still. In Paul's experience with the Galatians, first what he does, he reminds them of his testimony. So why don't you guys look at verse 11. It says, for I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached to me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation from Jesus Christ. And then we go on to see in verse, verse 13 through 14, for you know how I was advancing in Judaism. I persecuted the church of God violently. When we, God called Paul, when Jesus came and met Paul on the road to Damascus, right, in Acts you can read that story in Acts 9, if you ever need to refer to that. Um, he was running in the exact opposite direction of following Christ. He was actually killing Christians by the thousands, right? He was seeking to destroy the church. He was zealous for Jewish traditions. Paul was, in a way, kind of like the ancient version of, ancient Jewish version, I guess, of ISIS, right? This radical guy going out and just murdering Christians because he's trying, to, he's trying to keep the synagogues pure, right? These Jewish Christians that were believing in Jesus, they were still going to the synagogues and they were preaching about, hey, this Messiah, he came. It's Jesus. And so Paul wants to keep things pure, right? He's like, no, 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 no. We're Jews. Jesus was not the Messiah. So he goes around just murdering these people. But then we look at what God does. That was Paul's experience. That was who Paul was. This is who God makes Paul. Yet even in this place, God came to Paul. And Paul receives a direct revelation from Jesus. Soon receives the gospel. And then all of a sudden, he just begins doing the work that God called him to. Right? He says um, in verse 16, I did not immediately consult with anyone. I didn't go up to Jerusalem. I just went to Arabia and started telling people about Jesus. In Acts 9, it's, it's a little bit different. He kind of leaves some of the story out here, just for brevity's sake. But 
he actually started to teach in the synagogues where he was right away. And right away, people were like, who is this Paul guy? We, we, this is not who we know as Paul. And they were going to try and kill him. And he had to, he had to sneak out of Damascus um, in order to not be killed. So this guy that was just on his way to Damascus in order to kill people is now looking to be, or is now being sought after to be killed because of this faith that he's now taken. It's an amazing, amazing ir- irony <laughs> of, this, of his life. But then notice that Paul also doesn't say, oh yeah, I don't know the gospel. Well, I had a revelation from Jesus. Did Jesus meet you on the road to Damascus? <laughs> the trump card, man. <laughs> Jesus trumps all. <laughs> no, but Paul doesn't say that. Rather, Paul shows them that this message of the gospel did not come from any man. He didn't need to go to Jerusalem to hear the gospel charge that he was supposed to give to others, right? Jesus met him on the road to Damascus. It's not just some tale that was invented to help people feel good about themselves or achieve some kind of inner peace. This message comes from a God who has broken into history and has begun to call to himself liars and cheaters and thieves and prostitutes, mass murderers, porn addicts, drug addicts, alcoholics, lovers of money, lovers of food, more and more and more. He calls all these people to him and he says to them, your sins are forgiven. Now go and do the work that I have for you to do. And Paul is a living example of this. This message transforms, that's the, third, the second thing that this does. This, the first thing was that this is not man's gospel. This second thing is that this message transforms us and forms us more into the image of Christ. The gospel that Paul preached was not from any man. I had two, I lived on, at Judson for one semester, right, my first semester, and I had two roommates. One was named Mitch. God bless Mitch. <laughs> Mitch was a fifth-year senior at Judson who basically slept all day. Um, he, he did the easiest degree he could find, which ended up being probably like the hardest degree at Judson, actually, <laughs> because art and design is like the, the main thing Judson does. But he hated school. He hated the rules. He would chew tobacco in the dorm. That was gross. Um, he would come in drunk at odd hours of the early morning. Um, he'd do all sorts of stuff with girls. He would simply not want anything to do with Christianity. He hated Judson. He came to play baseball, just so you know. That's why he came to Judson. That's why he was there. Um, Then I had another roommate named Chris. Chris, on the other hand, was on fire for the gospel. He loved, and still loves, the Lord. He's passionate about seeing God work in the lives of broken people. It's interesting, too, because it was probably not even two years before that Chris had been drinking. Chris had been chewing tobacco, too, actually. Pushing the boundaries with girls, having a good time, living the party life. Chris is like 6'5". He's this gorgeous human being, right, that's really good at basketball. <laughs> so, so it was easy for him to, to live this life. He was, he was the standard to hit amongst the party people. Everybody wanted to be Chris. But it wasn't long after that that Chris was convicted by God of his sin. He prayed to receive Christ. And as, we've, as I've already described, the Lord has done an amazing work in his life. 
He's growing in the faith. He's leading Bible studies. He's getting involved in church. He's studying to be a pastor now. He's getting poured into by some really great people. He's doing the work that God is calling him to do and being trained up in it. And this doesn't mean Chris is perfect, obviously. Um, doesn't mean Paul was perfect. But instead of running back into his sin and embracing that or approaching a legalistic approach of, well, I just can't have any fun anymore, right? Chris has begun living a life committed to following Jesus, his Lord and Savior. So just like Chris and just like Paul, the third thing Paul is calling us to here, I think, is to believe God's grace is all you need to be saved and to faithfully do the work you're calling, that he's called you to. So what keeps you from following Jesus or from doing what, what Jesus has called you to do? Paul was killing Christians. Chris was having a fun time in the party life. In my own experience, I've found both weakness and, thankfully, growth through issues with pride, envy, hate, lust, anger, all sorts of things out of which Christ is transforming me and making me more like his son. Praise the Lord. Just like Chris and just like Paul, this does not mean that I am perfect because I'm a sinner. And I continually have to come to God and confess, repent, pray for strength, battle through temptation, and then find God gracious and is a great provider of, of what he needs me to live out here, of what he's calling me to. So I encourage you guys, leave those sins because they are forgiven in Christ. For Paul, well, for, leave those sins at the cross, follow Jesus, because for Paul this meant going to Arabia, going all over the place and preaching the gospel, right? That doesn't, that doesn't mean that's what we have to do. But what are we called to do? This, we're called to be the people that God sends to the specific places he has us and be a gospel witness there. For me, God, God's called me to study and run at Judson University. God's called me to serve in the music ministry at Grace Church DuPage. He's called me to marry that woman. He's called me to study history. He's placed specific things on my heart that I love, like music, like students. Unfortunately, I can't be doing all of that right now. And he's placed the gospel, a conviction for the gospel being preached and taught and sung and lived out in my heart. He's brought me and is bringing me through the process of dying to sin and being formed more into his likeness in whatever area he brings me into. It may look different for you guys. You guys are at a different time of life than I am, for one. right? You guys don't know who you're going to marry yet. Don't think you do. <laughs> Unless you've received vision from God on the road to Damascus. Uh, but that doesn't mean that God hasn't brought you into a specific place or location or given you specific gifts to use for his glory. right? Be a witness where you're called. Use the gifts he's given you as an opportunity for that. And don't waste time doing it. Like Paul, go immediately to Arabia. Go immediately to Wheaton Roval South. Go immediately to Wheaton North. Go immediately to the flagpole. Remember that, last thing. Oh, not the last thing, fourth thing. Remember that there is nothing more that we must do to earn God's favor. There are no deeds you can do in order to earn God's favor. 
there's nothing you shouldn't, okay, there's nothing you should abstain from doing. Well, yes, there are things you should abstain from doing. It's not like abstaining from certain things makes you, makes you more in favor with God. Believe in Jesus and be saved. If you sin, confess, repent, and get back to what God has you to do. Fifth thing, be deeply rooted in your church community. As we see in the later parts of this chapter, right, Paul went up to Jerusalem finally after three years, three years of ministry, three years of teaching in Arabia, never talking to any other apostles about what he's preaching, simply preaching the gospel, sharing his testimony, doing what Jesus has told him to do. Paul goes up and remains accountable with his brothers. Right? I went uh, to three years. I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. I was still unknown to the persons in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They were only hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. In Acts 9, we'll see that he, he does go to Jerusalem. He does tell these guys, okay, this is the gospel I've been preaching. Does, does this line up? Does this work? And it does. It's the same message. It's amazing. It's a, unlike human game of telephone that we can't get through a whole process without it getting messed up somewhere, right? Jesus takes these two people in two different locations, and they're preaching the same message without ever talking to each other. That's amazing. That is only by God's grace. So anyway. We do the same thing when we gather on Sundays and Wednesdays. We come together, right? We remain accountable to one another. How are you doing in preaching the gospel? Are there people that you need prayer for sharing the gospel with? Maybe it's a teacher. Maybe it's a student. Someone younger than you, someone older than you, a brother or sister, parents. So that's what we do when we gather on Sunday morning. We encourage each other in that. We pray for one another in it. We confess sin when needed. And verse 24 says, They glorified God because of me. We also praise God for what he's accomplishing in our lives, in others' lives, as we hear it, as we encourage each other in it, and as we go to the places that he asked for us to go. So that's what I encourage you guys with today, is to be doing that, to be, oh gosh. <laughs> Remembering that this, is, this gospel is not from man, it's from God. God is the main actor. This message transforms us and forms us more into the image of Christ. Just like Chris, my roommate, just like Paul, repent and believe that God's grace is all you need to be saved and faithfully do the work that he's called you to. Fourth was remember that there is nothing more we must do to be saved. Fifth thing was be deeply rooted in your church community as you do that. So now I want to do just that, Nick, so that you guys will have discussion questions, time to pray together over these things. Um, so my first question for you guys, where has God called you or brought you to be a gospel witness? That might be school, that might be an athletic team, that might be um, a music group, that could be anything, anything he's called you to. It could be your family. That's also something, sorry. Family, neighborhood, um, those are just things that came to mind. Second, um, in what ways do you seek people's approval more than God's approval? 
Are you spending your time um, not, um, obviously not, not doing what we were talking about before where people say, oh, you're a Christian, you're like, yeah, but, you know, I don't believe all that crap, you know. Um, is that what describes your life? Or is, does it describe your life to be the one that's, that's doing as much as they can just in order to be like, oh, wow, look at that guy. He follows all of the food and dietary laws. He's impressive. So in what ways do you seek people's approval more than God's? And lastly, um, I encourage you guys with fellow believers, confess these things and pray for forgiveness. Know that you are forgiven. Pray for gospel opportunities in the places God has brought you. And then lastly, most importantly, trust God to provide in those circumstances that he leads you. So go ahead and, I don't know what you guys do, I guess you group up um, with people around you. Talk about these things, where God's brought you, in what ways do you seek people's approval, um, and then pray for, over those things. Seek the Lord's grace for that. You guys can go ahead. Um, you have set groups of people? Okay. Go to your set groups. <laughs> do, it, do what you do.